Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Today on Locked On Irish, as you're tuning in right now, we are going to be recapping Notre Dame's 45-31 win over Boston College, a win that pushes the number two ranked team in the country to 8-0 on the year. A fantastic season continues to grow with a victory over a rival. And we're going to break all that stuff down for you and some key headlines in today's show. Before we do though, so do so though, folks, I'm Joe DeLeon, a former college long snapper at the University of Rhode Island and current NFL free agent joined by Ryan Roberts, the director of scouting with NFL Draft Bible, who is also an NFL draft and college football analyst for a number of amazing sources. So, Ryan, I want to hop right into the first major headline that ends up popping up after the game. Didn't really hear a whole lot about this coming into the game because, you know, maybe some people didn't want to speculate that that Notre Dame was going to 100% win this football game. But after the victory, Brian Kelly earns his 100th career win at Notre Dame, tying Lou Holtz for second all-time in career wins, uh, being the head coach of Notre Dame. And this is, you know, a fantastic feat for Brian Kelly to reach this far. He's been at Notre Dame for so long, and for him to hit it at this point makes a lot of sense for all the really strong seasons that he's put together. Really only one or two bad seasons that I can think of off the top of my head, but a, a strong feat for a, a coach that has had some serious consistency through his time with the with the Irish. And, and it's especially recently talking about that consistency, right? We talked about that four and eight campaign a few years ago, but now he has the team perennial 10 plus win team. They're obviously in the playoff hunt again this year, number two in the country, obviously a huge, huge accomplishment tying Lou Holtz for second all time with hundred victories. Lou Holtz. I mean, we always talk about the golden era of Notre Dame football, right? The last time that Notre Dame was the Notre Dame that our parents remember that, you know, our relatives remember is when Lou Holtz was the head coach there in the 80s and 90s. That was when they were the dominant force or amongst the dominant force in all of college football. So obviously, anytime that you get on a list with Lou Holtz and you tie him for what he accomplished at Notre Dame, it's a big accomplishment. Brian Kelly has really turned the tide because there were some points earlier in his career into that 4-8 and eight season where you had question marks whether he was going to be the guy to take Notre Dame back to relevance. And... This year just seems a little different. We've seen that 12-0 team a few years back with Monte Teo. We saw the playoffs a couple years ago that did not go well against Clemson. This team feels a little bit different. And I, you have to give Coach Kelly all the, all the recognition, all the credit in the world. He has brought Notre Dame what it lacked for the longest time, and that was relevance and that was consistency. So hats off to Coach Kelly in, in a great accomplishment, tying Lou Holtz with 100 career victories in Absolutely incredible feat that I don't feel like wasn't talked about enough until after the game happens. And there were those couple spurts where some people believed that Brian Kelly was not the guy. We remember the eight, uh, the four and eight season in 2016, and then he started his career off going eight and five in back to back years. Since that 2016 season, they've surpassed 10 wins, not including this year, as they obviously need two more wins to get over that 10-win hump. So uh, recently is really when he's he's put it on and been able to be so consistent 
and string together a lot of really good performances. Right now, as his total record stands, he is 137 for a 73% winning percentage. So congrats to Coach Kelly on earning that amazing feat. The other headline that popped up a little bit from this game was the fact that Kyron Williams did not have as big of a performance as I think maybe we would have would have hoped. He only had nine carries for 38 yards. Sebo Flemister is the is the guy who had the, the the big day. Ten carries for 53 and two touchdowns. Chris Tyree 79 rushing yards, no touchdowns, but still a, a, a the the highest rushing total out of any of the running backs. Ian Book ends up taking the the cake with 85 total yards in the game. But I think it's worth discussing, Ryan, for fans that might be wondering. Should we be worried that Kyron didn't really do this much? Was he hurt? You know, what what can we expect from this? Is is this going to be maybe a, a, a slump for him? I think what ended up happening with this Ryan is that they were able to ride the hot hand, and then they realized, all right, we have this thing in control. We're not going to use our best offensive player and run him into the ground when we're up two scores. Well, I think a couple layers to this conversation. One, you are up comfortably at points in that second half where it made it possible for Notre Dame to really just start to run out the clock a little bit. You know, we know that 45-31 final victory, I don't think that really told the story. Notre Dame really did dominate that football. A couple turnovers from the side of Notre Dame made it look maybe a little closer than it actually was. But we did see, and this was one thing that I talked about going to the Clemson game, they had to play a clean game, and they did for the most part outside of Ian Book's fumble near the goal line against Clemson. Kyron Williams has had a little bit of a fumbling issue early in, early in the season. He had the fumble during the game. I feel like, one thing, they are trying to run out the clock. They are putting it in a guy like Sebo Flemingster and even Chris Tyree that have not had a turnover issue, not had a fumbling issue. And also, hey, again, you're coasting. You have the victory in hand. Last thing that we need, because I think that everyone could be, you know, obviously Ian Buck being the quarterback is probably the most important player offensively. But our best offensive player consistently, in my opinion, so far this season has been Kyron Williams and the uh, the ability that he has as a three-down back. The last thing we need is in a blowout victory to, ha- to keep him in the game, have an injury down the stretch where he's going to miss, you know, even though we're going into a bye week now, the, the important stretch of games going towards the ACC championship game and hopefully playoff berth. I feel like they were just protecting him not only protecting them from potentially another turnover, but also, hey, he, he did enough. We know what Chris, uh, Kyra Williams is capable of. Let's see what Sebo Flemingster and let's get, uh, can give to us. And also, let's see Chris Tyree start to get some, some uh, opportunities because he was a guy that did, had limited touches the, la- the previous two games. So he had 17 carries on the day. I feel like that was a good opportunity to get him some touches and then also you know mitigate any potential turnover issues and and injury issues on the side of Kyron Williams yeah exactly and and if you look at what Tyree and Flemister were doing they were playing really well so if you don't need to use Kyron Williams in a game where you're already running the ball very well they ended up finishing with 278 rushing yards if you're able to already have really good consistency and explosion plays from your running backs why force in a guy that you're going to need at the end of the season to come up and make big plays in the ACC championship game and hopefully in the college football playoff you're better off using those backup guys guys that are still very talented 
let them get some extra reps, let them get some some extra touches, develop them a little bit so that they're also ready to go when you need them towards the end of the season. O- overall, I'm not worried, and I think the point of us bringing this up, Irish fans, you shouldn't be worried about Kyron Williams not getting a lot of touches. Don't don't overreact to this. Understand the various layers that we've laid out here. There's a very good reason why they chose not to over overload him this week after they realized what they were able to get from the other guys. Ty, uh, Kyron Williams is going to come back and have an explosive game down the stretch against some other opponents. So we'll see that same Kyron Williams towards the end of the year. We are going to, coming up, discuss our offensive takeaways, some of the things we noticed from an explosive day on the off- offensive side of the football. Before we do so, though, folks, I would like to share with you a message from our sponsors. You guessed it, the one that I am always going to be talking up, that is Coors Light. These days, it seems like life forces us to be on all of the time, but every now and then, it's important to stop and reset when you reach for a Coors Light. It's the mountain cold refreshment made to chill. I know last night after getting all my stuff done, Saturday is my day to sit back and relax. I grabbed the Coors Light, watched some college football games after Notre Dame finished beating BC, and I made sure to enjoy myself relax with a beer that I know is made to chill. Watching college football is therapeutic for fans. It's uninterrupted me time and an excuse to chill and drink beer. Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport or team just to drink beer. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ryan, this offensive performance this past week, oh man, they had a heck of a day. And I understand that they had the turnovers. When they had them, they were very untimely, and it put some concern early on in this game on the offense. But they rebounded. They did not care, which is, again, a positive sign to see that they are unfazed by some mistakes and they can continue to build on momentum 561 total yards for this offense. Ryan, what was your major offensive takeaway from this amazing offensive performance? Well, I think you kind of started talking about it a little bit there, Joe. It's the fact of Notre Dame did not play a clean game. We had three turnovers during this game. The one by Ben Skoranek, the the fumble on that, that messed up mesh between Chris Tyree and Ian Book, and then Kyron Williams had a fumble. It was not a clean game, yet Notre Dame dominated this football game. They absolutely dominated, which is why, in my opinion, this season just feels a little bit different. Usually, over the last several years, if Notre Dame has a game like this where they're not the most crisp in terms of protecting the football, games could get away from you a little bit. It never got away from them, which is why, if I had to point out something that I I felt like was the big determiner in this game, it's... Coach Reese, I felt like, called a really nice offensive game. I, I, th- I if The troubles that they had holding on to the football were, you know, obviously those are player circumstances. Those are during the game. I felt like Notre Dame could have done anything that they wanted to offensively. Passing attack, running attack. It was just such a crisp game plan that their best players were in advantageous situations. And I have been 
I was worried to begin the year, to be honest, with a, a couple of the first games, Tommy Reese being a first-time offensive coordinator after taking over in the bowl game last year. I was worried about what this offense would look like with such a young offensive coordinator calling the shots. Yesterday, Coach Reese called a great game. Notre Dame could have done anything they wanted to. And, and part of that is, hey, Notre Dame is probably just – I mean, well, not probably. They're, they're a better football team than Boston College is defensively. They have the better athletes. They have a better offensive line. They had the advantage in several areas. But I really think that Tommy Reese called an excellent football game on Saturday and really – just, I just felt like Notre Dame's offense was a step ahead of Boston College's defense all day. And, and hats off. We already gave a hats off to Coach Kelly. Hats off to Coach Reese for calling one of the most complete football games I've seen him call so far. And one thing that you really started to see as Tommy Reese started to get this offense in rhythm, I think like from the second quarter on, well, first of all, they didn't punt in this game, if I'm correct. There wasn't a single time in key parts of the game where they punted. So you were watching them offensively, and it was just 10-yard gain, 7-yard gain. There weren't any, and we talked about this against Clemson, how you don't want to be behind schedule in your play calling. You don't want to have those second and longs. It was like chunk play after chunk play after chunk play, and then touchdown. There were not a lot of halting plays that slowed them down. That is true offensive dominance in my eyes. If you're able to dominate a defense that much, by picking up continuous chunk plays, by using your athletes, that is a, a very, very well-called game. And one thing that I want to point to specifically, Ryan, that really points out how good of a, a game that he called, and also the awareness by Ian Book, is finding Ben Skoranek and helping him, or actually rather Skoranek helping Ian Book have a, a really strong day passing he caught three touchdown receptions, and they kept going to him because they realized that they didn't have anybody who could properly match up with him in the red zone. Skoranek is a big, big dude. He's got long arms. He's got powerful hands. We saw him moss the BC defender on that first touchdown. This is a guy that is going to be used more and more often in the red zone, but what they realized during this game, if we're going to keep, we can just keep going to Skoranek. If they can't stop him, we're just going to keep doing it. Yeah, it was another case where Ben Skoranek was just better than whoever was covering him. You know, it, it was just an astounding game because a couple of those, I mean, those two touchdown catches where were highly contested situations, they weren't great throws. You know, the first one where he mossed the guy, right, that was a, a solid throw. The other one where he ran the corner route in the back of the end zone, that was not a great, th- uh, not a great football. That was in a bad, a bad spot in a bad situation, but. Ben Skoranek being the athlete that he is and being better than BC's defensive backs was able to make a play. It was all about yesterday for me. The defense, I mean, the offense was able to get the ball into their better athletes and the athletes made plays all day. And I'm looking, Joe, and just at this box score, right? Like Notre Dame had 29 first downs. We talked about last week against Clemson, the third down, Notre Dame being such a great third down team. They only had eight third down conversion attempts comparative to 20 the week before. They averaged six yards a carry, 20 out of 27 passing. The offense was just so crisp, and I really feel like everything that they wanted to do, they did on Saturday. The only thing that was a slight hindrance was those turnovers. The the game plan was exceptional. The athletes were athletes. The offensive line was dominant. Notre Dame literally could have done anything they wanted to on Saturday. 
So, Ryan, why don't we hand out some offensive game balls? And if I want to give my game ball out, I have to give it to Ian Book, who looked fantastic on Saturday. 368 total yards, three touchdowns, 97.6 QBR. The big reason why I want to hand this out to Ian Book is I saw a guy that is playing up to the level that you need your starting quarterback to play in, in tight situations. There were a couple of really good throws that he made while facing some serious pressure from this Boston College defense. Every week he really impresses me with that with his pocket awareness and his ability to work out of sacks. He he had a, a couple of plays, especially that, that second touchdown pass that he threw to Skoranek, where he completely worked away from pressure and then was able to deliver a really good ball. We, we tweeted it out from the show's account if you want to go check it out, folks. But heck, I, I saw a guy that was delivering, he was dealing, and he didn't make a whole lot of mistakes besides that one fumble while he was trying to hand the ball off to Tyree. Yeah, and, and obviously the most important position in sports, right, is the quarterback position. And Ian Book played about as flawless of a game that I've ever seen him play for Notre Dame. I mean, Jim Nagy, Dame Brugler, some some high-ranking NFL draft pundits were, were even tweeting out about how impressed they were from Book's performance. So you obviously an easy one to give a game ball to. Ben Skoranek, you already mentioned it. He probably should get a little love. The, the unit that I want to give the game ball to, I'm going to give a combined one here to the offensive line in general. I wanted to give him to him last week, just their performance against Clemson. The reason that Notre Dame's offense was able to do whatever they wanted during this football game was because that offensive line continues to be so dominant. So we're talking about Liam Eichenberg, Aaron Banks, Robert Hainsey at right tackle, Tommy Kramer, Jared Patterson. Josh Lugg even came in for a, a large portion of the game. I don't know what happened with, with uh, Robert Hainsey, but I, I did see he exited the game a little early. I don't know if that was injury-related or just because they had the game in hand. But that unit in general played such a good football game. Just everything they wanted to do – they could do. This is very reminiscent to the year they won the Joe Moore Award with Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson being the highlight players on that offensive line. I feel like this is a special group we have right here. I mean, and I'm looking forward to that type of award. Is there a better offensive line right in college football, right now in college football than Notre Dame? I, I just feel like every week, Ian Book is getting so much time, even when they're bringing six-plus um, for the rush. I just feel like they're doing such an incredible job running the game at a high rate and a high success. So, for me, I think Notre Dame's offense line might be early favorites for the Joe Moore Award. It's the best offensive line in all of college football. And the reason that they were so dominant and they could do so much on Saturday and, Co and, Co and Coach Reese could implement almost anything that he wanted offensively is because your offensive line is playing at such a high level. In a few minutes, we will be discussing the defensive takeaways. Before we do, though, folks, Ryan, do you have a message for our listeners from one of our amazing sponsors? Absolutely. And I'll, I will say if you have listened to this podcast before, you know before we were even on the Locked On Network, I was a huge fan of Built Bar and everything that they provide for the average person on the go, it is the most it is the best protein bar on the market. They even now now have a more improved built bar formula that is even more delicious than it was before. They come in 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. Some new flavors to try out: caramel brownie, cookies and cream, 
lemon almond cheesecake, among others, even have carrot cake in there. They have a flavor for everyone. They also have the original, if, you're, if you are a traditionalist, they have the 12 original flavors, coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate cake, toffee almond, orange, coconut, and my personal favorite, the elite of the elite, the peanut butter brownie. The, all the bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. Built, in, Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy on the go. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bar are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're also great for the keto diet. Some of the flavors, peanut butter, include 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams net carbs, coconut almonds, cookies and cream, all these delicious flavors are also still incredibly good for you. Match it up against most of the other parts on the market and you are looking at the absolute elite of the elite. Built Bar has reset the promo code for the relaunch. So now with limited offer, you can get a free cooler with a purchase while supplies last. This is very limited offer, so please go and take advantage of the offer today. Go to BuiltBar.com and use their promo code Locked On. That's Locked On, all caps and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED ON all caps for 20% off at builtbar.com. Folks, if you aren't already, please go hit that subscribe button so you can stay up to date on all of the latest episodes of Locked On Irish. Ryan, defensively, this was also a really good performance. The one thing that I point to, only 85 net rushing yards allowed. That is a great day that includes some quarterback pressures uh, and also just a, a really stout day by the defense to slow down their rushing attack. If I were to pinpoint one thing from this game, Ryan, that I think really stood out to me defensively is how effective they were in pressuring Jerkovic and creating some serious issues with a talented offensive line. They scared us a little bit early by giving up some seriously big plays, some good throws to Jerkovic, who is very, very talented, as we talked about. He was going to make plays that were going to frustrate us defensively and that were going to make things um, very tense early on in the game. But as I was, as I was seeing these plays go through... I knew eventually that pressure was going to hit home and slow down Jerkovic. They were getting, they were making hits, they were getting some good hits on him early. They were getting some serious pressure. They were getting in his face. They were putting him on the ground. And even though he was making those throws, you can't do that the whole game. There are very few guys, especially inexperienced guys, that can power through that. And eventually, all of that pressure and all that attacking started to come full circle they sent a lot of pressure they came for Jerkovic's head and they knew that this guy who's inexperienced unlike what they did against DJ Uyunglele they said we are going to frustrate the hell out of him we're going to put him on his back as much as possible and I think they did a super effective job of of, of doing that yeah and I feel like the difference between how they attacked Phil Jerkovic and, and DJ Uyunglele like they were because Jerkovic as talented as he is he's a future NFL quarterback without a doubt he is still only starting his ninth game this Saturday, so he still obviously does not have a huge sample size. The difference was when they were going against DJ, they were not confident enough in their defensive backs to play a ton of man-to-man -man coverage. So they were playing a bunch of zone and trying to confuse the young quarterback with their coverage. This game, they said, hey, 
We know you have Zay Flowers. We know that you have Hunter Long. We're going to play a little more man-to-man coverage, and we're going to bring some extra blitzes. We're going to try to pressure and force Dracovic into bad situations. And they did at some points. You know, obviously, with a talent like Phil Dracovic, with Hunter Long and those guys over there, there's a couple nice athletes. They're going to make some plays. I think about that play where, you know, Dracovic shrugged off two guys in the backfield, was able to escape to his left, threw a dart down the sideline. Those plays are going to happen. You are not going to completely shut down a talent to the level of Phil Dracovic. But they stuck with their game plan, and they were saying, we're going to force the issue here. We're going to force him into some mistakes. We saw the interception by Jack Kaiser. We saw another interception that was um, called back, unfortunately, for a face mask penalty, Kyle Hamilton. So Dracovic was forced into some bad situations. They kept the pressure on him. I think also uh, to a degree, like, they thought that they could create pressure against Clemson because Clemson's offensive line outside of Jackson Carmen, the left tackle, is not exceptional. So they felt like one-on-one matchups with their defensive linemen they could potentially win. In this game, we were facing against a very good offensive line. We talked about them all week. Four out of five of those guys are probably going to play NFL football maybe as early as next year. So very talented offensive line. They wanted to scheme up some pressure to try to force Dracovic off his spot. And I feel like they did a really nice job to create opportunity for themselves. And, you know, obviously Boston College scores a late touchdown to make it look a little more respectable. But the defense really did play well. It wasn't always consistent, but in spurts they showed how dominant they actually can be. Yeah, that dominance really, really showed out, especially the defensive line, some of their linebackers creating all that serious pressure you know, Ryan, you're really interested here in the second level and some of the things that we we started to see from these players. Is there any other little takeaways that you want uh, to address here? Yeah, I, I felt like linebacker, again, was one of those. And we talked about this going into the Clemson week. Linebacker has been, and this isn't really counting Jeremiah Wusukoromo because he plays the rover position, so he's a little more out in space. I'm talking about your traditional linebacker set in the 4-2-5. We've seen Drew White since last year, take the big leadership emphasis on the second level. Shane Simon has been coming on a little bit. Jack Kaiser had an interception during the game. feel like that's been the question mark, though, is just how good that second level can be. Because early in the year, it just felt like nobody was making plays. But in this game, I felt like that second level was really solidified. And they're, I think they're really trying, starting to hit their stride, which we're going to need. Because we have playmakers like Kyle Hamilton, uh, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, which I mentioned already, a couple of the defensive ends. Those guys are playmakers. Kurt Heinisch chips in once in a while, kind of you know under the radar to a degree. But we need some guys on that second level, Drew White and company, to be able to make some plays. And we saw that this game. And I, I was pleasantly surprised by how effective that second level was um, for the majority of this football game. So let's hand out some defensive game balls again to wrap up today's show. Ryan, I want to hand mine to Sean Crawford, who played a fantastic football game. He had that one sack where he completely blew up Phil Dracovic. That, I think, was like a real tone setter in terms of rattling him and getting in his head. One and a half tackles for loss and nine tackles. He looked fantastic flying all over the field, especially on that sack. Yeah, oh yeah, he, uh, it was probably his best game I've seen him play because he uh, you know, obviously started his career off as a cornerback, played a little bit in the nickel. Now he's made that full transition to safety in his sixth year after several season-ending injuries. So a really big hat off to Sean Crawford, who's been a 
good football player for Notre Dame, just has had a lot of unfortunate circumstances with injuries, but he played a whale of a football game. That sack was wonderful. That I feel like that was like a tone setter early um, and a really nice play. I want to give my game ball, though, to, to Drew White, which I just mentioned a little bit on that second level. He was a guy that was really productive in 2019, kind of a slow start to the season. I was waiting for someone in that linebacker group, the inside linebacker group, to really take leadership of that position. And although the, the stat line for this game, you know, seven tackles, second leading tackler on the day, seven total tackles, half a tackle for loss, it, he played a really nice football game. He played a great game against Clemson, two back-to-back great weeks. I feel like Drew White is really asserting himself as the leader of that linebacker unit. And it's really nice to see going down the stretch now that not only do we have a couple nice defensive ends to apply pressure, not only do we have Jeremiah Wusukoromoa at the rover position that's a playmaker, not only do we have Kyle Hamilton that's a playmaker, but now we might potentially have another playmaker in Drew White that is going to continue to bring that consistent play that we really need in the middle of that defense. Folks, thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Locked on Irish. That is going to be it from us Tuesday. Stay tuned for that show. We are going to do positional grades like we did last week, as well as some post-game press conference reactions. Follow us on Twitter, at Joe DeLeon, at Draft, and at Locked on Irish to stay up to date on everything that you need to know Notre Dame football. Please hit that subscribe button if you have not done so already and leave us a review if you enjoy the show. Provide us with some constructive thoughts on what you like about the show as well. If you're looking for something else to tune into, we've got the NBA trade deadline coming up on Monday. We also have the NBA draft coming up on Wednesday. So go check out Locked on NBA for all of that fantastic coverage. See you tomorrow, folks.